Ephesians chapter 1. Paul is praying, verse 18, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and that the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saint and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So this working of God, we were dead. second chapter is going to tell us that. And we know that if you've been saved, you know your spiritual condition before the work of God. And outside of that work of God, what ability did we have to come to God? If He didn't do that work in us, if He didn't bring us to that place of regeneration and make us aware of our spiritual condition, we would have went right on I'll just say for me, I would have went right on in my sins and I would have compared myself to other people around me and I would have found someone that I could have justified myself by. But by the workings of the Holy Spirit, the working of the Word of God, the working of God the Father in sending His Son, He brought me to a realization to... Uh, uh, an admission of my condition before God that I needed a Savior. And He brought me to that. So as you look at this in chapter 2 and verse 6, He says, And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So Christ, what we've read in chapter 1, Christ has been raised from the dead by the power of God, you and I were raised from the dead by that same power of God. And as Christ has been exalted, you and I, being in Him, have been exalted as well. So there is a part that is already, there is a part that is not yet. That is from the foundation of the world. That may be hard to swallow, but verse number 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, what have we got there? We've got that God chose us before the foundation of the world in Christ Jesus. That was realized in time. Now, how, how could that come about? He worketh all things after the counsel of His own will. The reason you're saved is by the will and the purposes of God. There's never been anything move. If, if, if the sparrow cannot fall to the ground without him orchestrating that, can a man be saved without God doing the work? 
<laughs> the world is not a clock that God wound up in the beginning and turned it loose. We are kept by the power of God. We live and move and have our being in Him. Everything, all of the creation, and as it exists day by day, is upheld by His power. And I believe that this epistle, especially this first chapter, is that God might get all of the glory. Glory to Him and glory to His grace. If it wasn't for grace, would any of us be saved? No. Is there anybody seeking after God? No. Anybody searching for God? Anybody desiring, honestly now, before a work of God, anybody desiring to be saved, come near to God to do right? Anybody love the light? Anybody love godliness? No. I'll tell you what the Bible said. The Bible said that man loved darkness. That there was no man that sought after God. Every man is right in his own eyes. I tell you, thank God for the grace and glory to Him and glory to the grace of God. So as we think about this, we are victorious by our union to the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no victory. There is no hope. There is no salvation. There is no being kept. There is no heaven being separated from Christ. And we are in Him... And He, as He said in John, He said, You keep My commandments, and I and the Father will come and dwell with you. We'll make our abode with you. So how could God the Father, God the Son, come and dwell with us? Through the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, He lives in us. So Paul says this, which He hath wrought in Christ, where He been raised from the dead, according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in us, when he, which He wrought in Christ, when He raised Him from the dead, and set Him at His own right hand in heavenly places. So again, we are as well. We are in Him. We've been able to set in heavenly places in Christ Jesus as well. Maybe not to the fullness that we will, but right now and yet to come is more. Right now, by the Spirit of God, when the Holy Ghost takes over in our lives and we can get away from this flesh, you, you listen to this word, and though you could see it in a twofold meaning, Paul said to be absent from the body was to be present with the Lord. Could you see that spiritually? Could you see how that in a service that we could lose sight of this world for a few moments and be present with the Lord and set in heavenly places in Christ Jesus? How are we able to sit there? Because we're in Christ. As He is exalted and lifted up by the church and Christ is exalted through and by that same Spirit, you and I can sit in heavenly places as well. So we have sit there. We do sit there in the mind of God, and yet there is greater and a more a greater or a fullness.
to come. So we have, he has set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. So I'm not going to talk about what he's over. He's over everything, everybody, all principalities, good angels, bad angels, the devil, the devil's crowd, the devil's angels, the fallen angels, Satan, the beast, the prophets. He is over all. Now you may not see that in its fullness yet. He has already overcome death, but I tell you, the day of being able to see that fullness... We might look in our world, no doubt looks on the church today and looks on Christianity, and they say, look what a bunch of losers. But I tell you, in the end, in the end, in the consummation of all things, when all is brought to an end, when He steps out and declares that time shall be no more, He will be the victor over all in this world and the world to come. Honest to God, the world exists today because of Christ. The world is upheld by the word of His power today. We may have people that are spitting, spiritually speaking, in the face of God today, and in the face of Christianity today, and in the face of the church today. But I say this, the church is not going down. The church is going up, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against His church. And that that goes down will be because of Him. It'll be because of His power, His might, His authority, His Word. I tell you, death and hell shall be given up. And friend, that will be because of the Word of God. He's the victor. We may not see the fullness of it, but God hath exalted Him and set Him at His own right hand. His work here upon this earth as far as man's salvation is a finished work for the person of Jesus, the God-man. That work is finished. There's an ongoing work of preaching the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done. There is an ongoing work of God the Father working in us, through us, God the Holy Spirit is working on the sinner, in the sinner, in the church, in the believer. That work is ongoing. But that work of Jesus Christ, the God-man and the Son of God and the Son of Man, that work has been finished. When He hung His head on Calvary and said it was finished, that work was finished. So where are we today? We've been raised from the dead by that same power of God that raised Him from the dead. And folks, don't let this world tell you today there's going to be five or six resurrections. If you can't see a first resurrection in Ephesians chapter 1, your eyes are closed. There is a first resurrection in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 2 is going to go over that same resurrection again. Revelation chapter 19 or chapter 20 talking about the first resurrection. My goodness, folks. 
Are you raised from the dead? If you're saved, you have had a part in the first resurrection. Now there's a second death. What is the second death? Hell and death shall be cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. Could you say that that is for all of the unbelievers? Or we could say by Scripture, we could say that by Scripture, but in context of Revelation 20, we could say that everyone whose name is not written in the Lamb's book of life from the foundation of the world is going to be cast in to the lake of fire, which is the second death. What prevents you, me, anyone from entering the lake of fire or the second death? The first resurrection. So is that not, is that first resurrection not a picture of spiritual salvation? You know, I'm going to have to do a lot of resting to make it say something different than that. I'm going to have to twist a lot of Scripture to take Ephesians being a resurrection from the dead that I'm made alive. So, what, what other death is there? A natural death, right? So there's going to be a spiritual death and resurrection, and there's going to be a natural death and resurrection of the body. How many more are there? Well, there's more, preacher. The Bible talks about more. I don't see it. Ephesians chapter 1, as God raised Christ from the dead, so He raised us from the dead. We have had part, if you are saved, in a first resurrection, which will prevent you from going to hell. Which will keep you from the second death. The second death, you will have no part and it will have no part on you, but there must be a first resurrection. And that first resurrection is by the resurrection of you, by the power of God Almighty, raising you from a spiritual death. I'll, I'll try to go on. So he has raised him far above all principality, power, might, dominion, every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that world which is to come. So Paul says in verse number 7, chapter 2, that in the ages... Let me just read two or three verses together. So our fallen condition in chapter 2, verse 1, 2, 3, under the power of the devil, verse 4, but God who is rich in mercy for His great love wherein He loved us, has quickened us together with Christ. So Christ was raised from the dead. You and I raised from the dead also in our salvation. Ephesians chapter 1. For by grace are you saved, and has raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Here we are, as He raised Him, He raised us. Verse 7, that in the ages to come... Now, where there's already been a resurrection, already been an exaltation for Christ and for us. 
But listen to verse 7. That in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. Now he's going to say this, and I I may have skipped over it or may not be in the right place to find it, but he's going to say not only in this world, but in the world to come. Not only has Christ been exalted and that He might shew the exceeding riches of His grace and kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. He's going to do that. And maybe we'll find that in a few minutes. The Lord will help us. So, He hath put all things under His feet. Now, who put all things under His feet? God the Father. So let's think about that. He's put all things under His feet. He's the head of the body. In, a, in, a, in Psalm chapter 8, verse 6. Psalm chapter 8, verse 6. Now, he's really talking about man here. But listen to what the Bible says. Verse 4, What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou hast made him to have dominion over the work of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Now go with me to Psalm 110. 1.10 verse 1. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. So he's put all things under his feet. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Listen to these words. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's begin at verse 25. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he hath put all things under his feet... But when he saith all things are put under his feet, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. How is it that God put all things under his feet? How is it that God has exalted him and given him a name which is above every other name? I tell you, because he came to this world, he surrendered and gave his life in total obedience unto God, fulfilled all of the law, was crucified on the cross, became subject unto death, even death on the cross. We would say that, see that in uh, uh, Philippians chapter 2. And God hath exalted him and given him a name which is above every other name. Now we know this that God raised him from the dead. So he hath already defeated death. The last enemy to be defeated is death. 
1 Corinthians chapter 15 is a chapter about the, re- about the resurrection, not only of Christ in the first part, but also of us in the latter part. So, in His resurrection, you and I have a spiritual resurrection. In His resurrection, we will have a bodily resurrection. Okay? Because He got up, we might say, well, it it, it looks hopeless. The graveyards are getting fuller and fuller all the time. I tell you, friend, that may be true. But there is a day coming that God is going to say, go get your bride. There's a day coming that God is going to say, go get your church. There's a day coming that Jesus is going to split the eastern sky and friend, the Lord Himself shall descend with a trump, with a shout and a trump of the archangel. And friend, the church, the bride, the saved, the born again is going to rise and death is going to be completely defeated. It may look like death has still got a victory today. But again, I would refer to Paul to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You think Paul is defeated today? I don't believe that Paul is defeated today. I'm not defeated today. I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to sleep. That's what the book says. To them that sleep. Let me tell you this. Don't go through life thinking there's no hope. Oh, I want to tell you that the Lord's coming. And friend, because He has already defeated death in His body. Defeated death Sin, defeated, a defeat over the grave. And friend, you and I, through Christ, are going to be victors over death as well. If it wasn't for Him, you know what sin would do? Sin would take me to hell. Sin would bring me into eternal death. But through and by faith, the work of God, the work of the Son, the work of the Holy Spirit, I am a victor today, and He hath put all things under His feet. All things. But Paul says in the book of Hebrews chapter number 2, yet we see not all things. We don't yet see it. We don't yet see that. Chapter 2 and verse number 8, Thou hast put all things in subjection under His feet, for in that He had put all in, in subjection under Him, He left nothing that is not put under Him. But now we see not yet all things put under Him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that He by the grace of God should taste death for every man. And listen... Don't take that at face value out of one verse. Read the rest of the book. For it became Him for whom are all things and by whom are all things and bringing many sons. Are all of the world's sons of God? They are not. Unto glory. Are all of the sons of man in this world, are they brought to glory? Are some of them not brought to damnation? I tell you who He tasted death for. He tasted death for all of you. He tasted death for all of the church. He tasted death for all of the believers. He tasted death for all of those that put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. The sinner, ladies and gentlemen, the unbeliever, is going to taste death eternally. 
He took away the stain for the believer, for the church, for the family of God, for those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. A little farther. A little farther. Well, preacher, I just don't believe that. Both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. Is the lost world all of one? Are they of him? No. No, you cannot run this together. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. He tasted death for all. For all who? All of us. All of the brethren. All of the believers. Can you see that, folks? When you read your Bible and you hear a verse verse quoted, read the rest of what's around it. Read what's in front of it. Read what's after it. Read it. Please read it to understand who is this written to? Who is this? Who hath in the last time spoken unto us? Who is us? Is us? Is us the lost world? The church. The church. The church. Thank God we may not see all things under His feet right now, but I tell you by the Word of God, He has put it all under His feet. And we will see it one day. We will see the completion of it. So, all things under His feet. He hath put all things under His feet and gave Him to be the head over all things to to the church. Now, don't miss this. Gave Him. Who gave Him? God gave Him. And I say that, I say that, that God gave Him to be crucified. God gave Him for the church. And God gave the church to Him. Jesus Christ is the gift to the church. And the church is the gift of God to Jesus Christ. We are, folks, we are one living organism. We are not an organization. We are one living organism. Christ being the head, we the body, He gave Him. He gave Him to be the head. Is Christ the head? Is Christ, and I don't mean that just in authority, but He's in the head, He's the head of all things. He is the head over the church. He is the head of the church. He is the head that guides the church. He is the head that makes the decisions for the church. He is the head that directs the body. He is the head of the church given by God for the church. You take my head off. What's going to happen to my body? It won't take but just a second or two for the body... You might see it convulsing. You might see some involuntary muscle reactions. But the body is going to be dead. Christ is the head given by God to the church. That the church can function. That the church can live. That the church can live and love Christ. And love God for the gift that He gave to the church. And you and I are the gift of God to Jesus Christ. 
Purchased. Aren't we purchased? Purchased by the blood of Jesus, but given by God to Christ. He gave Him to be the head. Gave Him. We're not separated, folks. If you are in Christ, and, 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 and we're, all, we're all one, gave Him to be the head, over all things, to the church. So let's just, would you, would you, if you could turn with me, it won't be much turning, but look at the church in Ephesians 3.10. To the intent that now, under the principalities and powers and heavenly places, might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Verse 21. Unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Chapter 5, verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and He is the Savior of the body. Verse 24. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ... So let the wives be subject to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it. Who did Christ die for? By this Scripture, who did Christ die for? The church. Verse 27. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it should be holy and without blemish. So he gave himself for the church, that he might cleanse it, wash it with the washing of the water of the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, (laughs) that he might present the church which he brought bought to himself. Isn't that something? What do you have to do with that? According to Ephesians chapter 1, it's a work of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Preacher, I believe he was the one that gave you the faith to believe. I'm not trying to get man out of his responsibility. I'm trying to give the glory to the God and the glory to the grace of God. That's not all of the church. Listen to verse 29. For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of His body, of His flesh, and of His bone. Verse 31. Verse 32, I'm sorry. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and His church. You cannot separate Christ and His church. You and I are the body 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the head, and though the head be in heaven, yet the head is upon the earth. Though part of the body be in heavenly places, yet here is a body. Though the head Christ be seated on the right hand of God the Father, yet Christ dwells in us. Listen to Colossians, just a couple of verses there. One eighteen, Colossians one eighteen, and he is the head of the body, the church. You can't separate them. Who is the beginning? The firstborn from the dead. Wonder who the secondborn was. <laughs> I don't know how to answer that honestly. But I tell you, there's a pile of them born on the day of Pentecost. He was the firstborn from the dead. But there was a bunch more raised on the day of Pentecost. And you know, I'm, I'm in that line. I'm part of that body. I'm one of those other ones that's been raised from the dead. He being the firstborn. Also, verse number 24. 1 Col- Colossians 1. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. I tell you, what are you? You are a part of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just a nothing. I'm the least one has been said in here, but I want to say to you today, whatever member of your body you consider to be the least, if the nervous system is in order, whatever part of the body you consider to be the least, you prick it with a pen, you mash it with a hammer, you close it up in a door, the whole body will be aware of that little member. I tell you, that little member is not affected without the head being affected. You are a part of the body of Christ Jesus. We are members one of another, but members in particular, but members one of another. And friend, today uh, you cannot... You cannot today touch one of the members of God's church and not touch Him. I read in Zechariah this afternoon that you are the apple of His eye. I got something that I couldn't even see in my eye last Saturday. And friend, from 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning till 10 o'clock at night, that bothered me all day long. I mean something that you couldn't even see. I couldn't even see it. But it affected the whole body. And I say today, however you may consider yourself, you may consider yourself as the least, know this, that He is touched with the very feelings of our infirmities because we are attached to Him. He is attached to us. 
we are attached to one another. I would that we were more attached to one another than what we are spiritually, that we were attached to one another so greatly that the least member in the church that was affected, the least member in the church that was brokenhearted, the least member in the church that was struggling, that the whole body would be affected by that. I'm talking about us as a people. But I want you to know this, the head is affected by the least member of the body being in trouble. We're a part of His body. Now each one of us are members in particular, according to Corinthians chapter number 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and listen, you may say, well, I, 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 I'm, I'm, not, I'm not much. I, I'm not much to, in, in the body. I tell you, you're essential. You are an essential part of the body. He says to us in First uh, 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 Corinthians chapter number twelve, the foot can say, "If the foot say, because I'm not the ham and I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body?" <laughs> can I say that? Can I say that you're not important? I tell you, Christ Jesus died for you. The Son of God paid a ransom for you. You may say, well, I'm the least. It looks like Paul's the greatest. Paul said he considered himself to be the chiefest of sinners. The greatest sinner that had ever been in the church, Paul considered himself to be that man. Like what he was, he was part of the body. And you and I are part of the body of Christ Jesus. So let's, let's, let's look a little farther at this. Maybe we could see it and if the Lord would help us to try to bring it out. He gave Him to be the head over all things the church, which is His body. So our whole body, and I already mentioned this, that He is touched by the feelings of our infirmities. You know, for me, I've had one tooth problem in my life. And I tell you, my whole body was in trouble over that one. I'd say Leah could be a, a, a late candidate to relate to that. The whole body is affected. So every one of us, members in particular, members one of another, you know, you can't get, you can't get to the tip of my little finger and not affect my hand. You can't get to the tip of my little finger and not affect my arm not affect the rest of me. All of me, I tell you, from the head, the nervous system comes down and the whole body is directed by the head. So you and I are the body of Christ. So let's think about that. He says this in the last part of that verse, the fullness of Him. So the world looks at Jesus Christ and saw a man crucified on the cross. That's the end of him. No. No, I tell you, that's the beginning of him. The end of him and the fulfilling of him is the church that is saved. Look on the day of Pentecost, 5,000 people added to the church. You know what that is? That's the body of Christ. We're seeing the fulfilling of the body of Christ. This body, you and I, each one of us, are, are, are saying to this world, I'm a part of Christ. Christ is my head. 
If you see me, you see a part of Christ. God help us that as our world looks and sees us, that they see that you and I are a part of Christ. By, the, by this Word of God, which is His body, the fullness of Him. So the church is the fullness of Christ, and the church is filled by Christ. The fullness of Him that filleth all in all. So, complete. Fullness or complete. So if you think about this, all of the gifts, all of the graces, all of the power, all of the fruit production, every bit of that comes from Christ filling all in all. He's the one that does that. What do we do? We fulfill. We are the fullness of Him in body. I thought about it like this this evening. Maybe you could see it. That grapevine, let's say it's 40 foot long. That grape at the very far end is filled by that vine and that root. That root being Jesus Christ filleth all. Look at all of those grapes. A 40 foot grapevine. Look at all of those grapes. All of those grapes are filled with Him. By Him. And yet that 40 foot grapevine with all of that fruit is to glorify Christ that started it. Can you see that? He filleth all in all. At the very tip of the vine, I trace back the fullness in that grape. It came from Him. Most likely, you and I, most likely, came in a lineage-wise from the Apostle Paul's preaching, most likely. Probably not Peter. Probably not James. Most likely from Paul. Can you see how that our life goes back? I mean, generation after generation after generation, all the way back to Paul. And then here is Paul that was called ordained, chosen by God. Told Ananias, he's a chosen vessel. Can you see that all of our fullness is by Him? Just a little more. So we are the church. What, are, what does that word church mean? Ecclesia, I believe, is the way you say it. It means the called out. The called out. Called out of what? Called out of the world. Called out of sin. Called out of the kingdom of the devil. Called out of darkness. According as He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, 
that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Are we called out? <laughs> We're the called out. Ephesians 3.19 Ephesians 3.19 To know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. What's he desiring there? That they might know the fullness of God's love. 3.19 So in 4.13 4.13 he says this Till we all so God has given apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the working, for the completing, for the fullness, perfecting of the saints, for the working of the ministry, for the edifying of the body. Who's the body now? The church is the body. That we henceforth, I'm sorry, verse 13, till we all come in the unity of faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What's the desire there? To grow in similitude like the Lord Jesus. That we as a body, individually and collectively, wouldn't it be good if the whole church, that the whole body was representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ. When the, when the visitor came in, every individual, maybe in some little different manner, would exalt Christ. He filleth all in all. So he's desiring Ephesians, Ephesians uh, 3.19. To know the love of Christ. 3.10 he says is to intent that now under the principalities and powers in heaven and places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. So can we have a fullness of wisdom? Can we have a fullness of love? Can we have a fullness of stature? Can we come to a completeness? Does God want us to grow in completeness and be more and more and more in similitude like Christ? I believe you said in Corinthians, he said that we might be changed from glory to glory. Through what? I tell you, through the Word and through the working of the Holy Spirit, through the working of God in us, that we might become complete in Him. So, He is the fullness, which is His body. So the church is the fullness of Christ. We are the picture, whether good or bad. And, you know, you hope and pray and desire that we be a good picture of Christ. But we are the fullness of Him who filleth all in all. How is that, how's that grape out there 40 foot out from the, the root? How's that growing? <laughs> I tell you, we can do nothing without Him. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. You can do nothing without me. We are the representative in this world of the Lord Jesus Christ. Know this, folks, that the world throws everybody in the same basket. You hear me? 
When the world sees one bad representative of Christ, they throw everybody into the same basket. God help us to be a good representative of the body, the fullness of Him.